coming up on the George Farmer podcast. The more intense the light, the more the plant wants to grow, so therefore the more fuel it needs. And the fuel is like liquid fertilizers, maybe a substrate and definitely CO2. So everything needs to be in balance. And we talk about balance a lot. Hi everyone, George here and welcome to another episode of the George Farmer podcast. I'm your host. And I'm your co-host, Emma Farmer. The aim of the George Farmer podcast is to make aquascaping more accessible and digestible. And this episode, episode number five, is all about choosing the right lighting for your aquascape. So it's a potentially complex topic, but hopefully by the end of this episode, you'll be better informed and be able to go about choosing the most appropriate lighting for your aquascaping. Looking forward to hearing all about it, George. Tell us, what have you been up to this week? Another busy week, Emma, two videos for Tropica, trimming stem plants video and the Iwaze Starline 125 really enjoyed creating that and another plant profile which is due to be released tomorrow on the Tropica YouTube channel Bacopa Caroliniana. Also I've been planning the Aquascaper 1200 final update video and can you guess how many videos I have produced on the Aquascaper 1200 so far? Well I reckon it's something like oh it's got to be at least 50 videos. It is 58 videos. Wow. So I've downloaded all of them and then I'm going to use some of those as footage as like a backdrop for B-roll for the final update video. Okay, and this will go back four years since you had it? Four years, yeah, and probably five or six different aquascapes, uh, lots of learning, lots of equipment choices, etc. So yeah, really good one to look forward to there. And we also gave away our Fluval Flex to Brad and Nicole, who live in the local town, nice young couple. Just started out on their aquascaping hobby, so really... You know happy to support them and give them another aquarium to play with basically so they can develop their own aquascaping hobby and also exciting news i am going to be rescaping an aquascaper 600 at aquarium gardens in the coming weeks so just planning that with with the owner dave so moving on to the topic of lighting talk to us george tell us how you first found out why lighting is so important for aquascapes that's a good question. So I think I bought my first serious aquarium in 2003 and it came with some stock lighting. So this is lighting that comes supplied with the aquarium. It was a Joule Rio 125. European listeners will have heard of Joule. American listeners may not have, but it's a, a well-known German brand, good quality. But it only came with two T8 fluorescent tubes. So these are quite low powered and unable to grow some of the more kind of demanding plants. So I was reading um, one of the original kind of books on planted aquariums I read was actually a almost a product guide by Denelay, but it was actually a hardback book and it talked about the importance of lighting. So I quite soon realized I needed to add more lighting to my to my aquarium to make it more powerful so I could grow these more demanding plants. And actually the design of the dual aquarium is that it has a center brace running from the front to the back of the aquarium and actually I've re realized I could delicately balance extra fluorescent tubes on this center brace and use the kind of tension in the cables just to kind of keep them safe. It was a little bit Heath Robinson but it served the purpose and at one point I think I had five fluorescent tubes ab above it so I could grow any plant I wanted. So last week, just interestingly on that topic, we talked about high-tech, low-tech, and also how you evolve that topic to be low-energy, high-energy. Yeah. So was that what you first started out with, low-energy, and yeah. did you therefore morph it into a high-energy? Yeah, that's exactly right. 
started off with low energy, low levels of light, didn't have any CO2 injection, but was very limited to the amount of plants I could grow successfully. And then bought my first CO2 injection kit and I told the story of that in the last episode, episode number four, high tech versus low tech. And increased the lighting and then therefore had the ability, the potential to grow any plant I wanted. And actually I was one, I think I was one of the first ones in the UK that I know of to grow a full tight carpet of glossostigma latinoides which back in the day was like a super high achievement to be able to grow this demanding plant ironically now it's regarded as a weed and and most people can grow it you know that's a reflection of the evolution of the hobby just in the last sort of 15 20 years so tell us why is lighting so important for aquascapes aquarium plants need light to photosynthesize so they use light and co2 to create more plant matter basically and a byproduct of that is oxygen and the more light you have, uh, the, the more the plant will want to grow. And some plants will have like a, a minimum light threshold. They'll need a certain amount of light before they can even start growing. And if they don't have that amount of light, then they'll struggle or even die off. And then all the consequent algae and all the poorly plants. So you need a certain amount of light to be able to grow the plants. And how much light you need depends on the species present. And George, talk to us about what type of lighting is available? There's literally hundreds of different models and makes, but you can split the modern lighting hobby into two main categories. There's LED, light emitting diodes, and fluorescence. Now, LED is by far becoming the most popular, but fluorescent lighting is still popular and it still has a place in the hobby and people have great success with it. So I'm not going to rule out fluorescent, but I think for the purposes of of this episode, we'll probably talk more about LED because that is more commonplace and Uh, when you buy an entry-level aquarium kit it'll very much likely be led and i guess there's a lot of variance in in the cost of lighting so mid-range how much would i be looking to pay yeah it it depends obviously on the size of the aquarium that you want to light uh so let's go back to our standard sort of 20 gallon or 80 litre aquarium that we've referred to before the lighting will probably be 18 inches long 45 centimeters long anything from 50 to 500 dollars depending on the brand and the intensity and how powerful that that light is it is quite confusing for newcomers especially if you want to customize your own aquarium with an individual light product so for beginners we do recommend often going for the kit aquarium that comes with supplied led lighting but just bear in mind you may be limited to growing easier plants with that because it's not usually very powerful you can get very cheap led units from like a DIY store or Amazon you can get LED flood lamps which are designed just to light rooms you know when you're decorating or they're not designed for aquarium use and actually I wouldn't recommend them for aquarium use necessarily because they might not have that water protection that is legally binding with when you're selling aquarium lighting so buyer beware with that although it is relatively cheap to get a good amount of light in your aquarium it is obviously tempting for those on a strict budget and then you can go all the way up to something like an ADA light units uh, so ADA Aqua Design Amano their flagship light at the moment is the ADA RGB Solar which is arguably one of the, the nicest lights available in the hobby you know this will cost you around uh, $900 or £800 at least and then there's you know, everything in between it's, it's a really is a buyer's market. So I guess the intensity of the light is really important how do we know how much light to add? It really depends on the plant species that you want to grow. Everything comes from that. All your decisioning should be based upon the type of aquascape you want to create and the plant species that you want to grow. 
so if we look at the Tropica aquarium plants species list, they're split into three categories, easy, medium, and advanced. Advanced plants will need more light, medium plants less light, easy plants relatively low light. Now actually how you measure the lighting is a quite a complex topic. There used to be a thing called the watts per gallon rule, but that assumed that you had T8 fluorescent lighting in a regular size aquarium, you know, not sure if we had reflectors fitted or not. So it was a very arbitrary kind of term. It was very, very like a rough rule of thumb. Moving forward now into kind of modern day lighting measurement, we've got things called PAR meters. These are photosynthetic active radiation meters. These actually measure the physical amount of light reaching the aquarium. And they'll often have a, a submersible sensor that you can put wherever you'd like in the aquarium. You could put it right on the substrate level and then you can physically see a digital readout of how much light you're getting. And the measurement of that is photons per meter squared per second. So it's actually a physical measurement of the amount of photons that are hitting a certain area in a, in a certain amount of time. So the higher that number, the more intense the lighting. And I actually wrote about this in quite some detail in my book, but different species Will often have a different threshold of, of lighting that they'll thrive under. So things like Anubias, which are very easy and actually do well in, in the shade, will thrive from say 5 to 20 micromoles per, we'll just say the number now, instead of that unit because it's quite a complex unit. So they'll, they'll thrive from say 5 to 20 and then things like you know an easy carpeting plant like Eleocharis parvula might need sort of 20 to 30 and then you have like more demanding carpeting plants, say Hemianthus cuba, which might need 50. And then if you want to get, for instance, really intense red stem plant growth, uh, generally speaking, the higher intensity you're lighting, the more red the plant can produce. You can go up to sort of 100 or even 200. You know, these meters are relatively expensive, um, but you can potentially borrow one off a store or, or a fellow hobbyist. All you can do is actually invest in something like the Senai Reef, which is a cheaper unit, but it has actually a built-in PAR function available. And now Felix Smart as well also uses the Senai as a sensor, and therefore you can use your almost use your phone now with the sensor as a as a PAR meter. So there's a couple of options there to to, to kind of quite accurately measure the lighting in your aquarium. So it's quite a technical heavy topic yes. where can i read up on it or is there more information available you can look online you can just google you know measuring par for planted aquarium or something similar i recommend going on the uk aquatic plant society forum lots of good articles and posts on lighting there and also consider buying my book there's a whole chapter dedicated to lighting in there as well great tip george love it <laughs> so what impact does intense lighting have over lower levels of, of light I like to use the analogy of driving a car with, with lighting. When you drive a car, the more you press the accelerator, the, the more fuel that you're adding to the engine and the faster you go. Well, if you imagine the lighting is like the accelerator in, in an aquarium. So the more, more light you have, the more the plants want to grow, the quicker they want to grow. But because they want to grow quicker, they have a higher demand of nutrients, including CO2. So the more intense light you have, you need to, we, we talk about balance a lot in aquariums, especially when it comes to lighting, CO2 and nutrients. So the more light you have, the more nutrients and CO2 you need. So if you want to grow, like we mentioned earlier, carpet of glossostigma, then you will need high lighting and therefore high amounts of nutrients and higher amounts of CO2. 
The consequence of having too much light and not enough nutrients in CO2 is algae because what will happen is the plants can't use that amount of light because they don't have enough fuel to sustain their growth. The more intense the light, the more the plant wants to grow, so therefore the more fuel it needs. And the fuel is like liquid fertilizers, maybe a substrate and definitely CO2. So everything needs to be in balance. And we talk about balance a lot in planted aquariums particularly. Lower lighting means that the plant doesn't want to grow so much. The foot isn't so much on the accelerator. We don't necessarily need CO2 injection because it's not demanding it. And we don't need so many liquid fertilizers because it's not demanding them. So in a low energy system, then we have lower levels of light and everything is in balance. So we have less liquid fertilizer and less CO2 required. And for this reason, low energy systems are kind of a good starting point for beginner aquascapers. Another important topic to cover in terms of this balance is actually the levels of circulation that we need in the aquarium. The more light we have, we know we're going to get more plant growth because we've got the more CO2 and the, and the more nutrients. So that plant has got the ability to grow really quickly. Now, what we also need is circulation and the circulation enables those nutrients and the CO2 particularly to reach the plants. So if we had a plant in say the back left corner and we didn't have enough circulation. We've got loads of light still, because we don't need circulation for light. So that plant is getting loads of light, but because of poor circulation, it's not getting enough CO2 or fertilizer. So that's gonna really struggle. Whereas the plant in say the, the front left corner is getting loads more circulation. That's growing much, much better. It's actually taking in more CO2 and nutrients so one plant's doing really well, the other plant's really struggling. And this is why we need this really kind of even distribution, this even circulation around the whole aquarium. So all the plants have equal opportunity to be able to use that light, to be able to use the CO2 and to use the nutrients. You often get questions, George, about light spectrum and colour temperature. So what does this mean and why is it important? That's a really good question. And there's a lot of misinformation out there, I have to say. We often hear full spectrum daylight spectrum, RGB, you know, plants do best with 6,500 Kelvin colour temperature and all these kind of uh, blanket statements. Now, the good news is, as long as you can physically see that light with the human eye, it can probably grow the plants. It's more important to know how powerful that light is rather than the spectrum. So the spectrum is kind of the different colours it produces. You have peaks in the red, the green and the blue when you kind of see that that spectrum kind of graph and like I said if you can physically see that light it means it's roughly in the electromagnetic spectrum from between wavelengths of 400 and 700 nanometers approximately that means it's in the visible spectrum and that means the plant can use it when you're buying your aquarium lighting it serves two main purposes one is so you can physically see your aquarium and see the beautiful plants and the fish etc in the aquascape and the second is to be able to grow, physically grow the plants. You should choose your lighting when it comes down to personal taste in terms of the light it produces and your budget, keeping in mind that it needs to be powerful enough to grow your chosen species. So let's talk about colour temperature specifically. The lower the colour temperature, the more orange it's going to look, the light, and the higher the colour temperature, the more blue it's going to look. So the kind of lowest temperature you'll find in the hobby is around about 3000 Kelvin and then the highest is about 10,000 Kelvin. And that Kelvin actually refers to actually a temperature. Kelvin is a, a unit of temperature. 
and it goes back to actually heating a lump of iron to that temperature and that the physical light that that iron's producing at that temperature so when you heat it up to 3000 kelvin it's producing a nice orange color you know like when you melt steel and then all the way up to 10,000 kelvin it's like a bluish color that's where the term kelvin comes from now the good news is it really doesn't matter that kelvin isn't really indicative to how well it's going to grow the plants it's more to do with our personal taste some people like a warmer color some people like a bluer color and also it depends on your aquascape you know you might have a quite stark minimalistic hardscape only aquascape with you know fish with an iridescent blue stripe you might want to use deliberately you know very sort of cool temperature like a 10,000 so you get that blue conversely you might have a jungle style aquarium with lots of kind of red plants and you know tetras with some red or rosboras then you might want to use a warmer spectrum so they're th more like the 3000 kelvin now a good midpoint is the 6500 and this is regarded as the best it isn't the best it's just for some reason through generations of posts on the internet it's kind of been reinforced over and over again that people should aim for 6500 it is a good ballpark it tends to really make the greens pop in in an aquascape so for that reason the 6500 is popular but it's also worth noting that one brand 6500 may look very different to another brand 6500 so don't put too much emphasis on the color spectrum of of your lamp more important to worry about the actual physical amount of light it's producing and whether or not it appeals to your taste and also important to consider the light unit itself its physical structure does it look good you know we've got some suspended lights at the moment above the aquascaper 1200 some people might not like that that profile other people might love it so it is a lot of it's down to personal taste i think it's worth talking a little bit about full spectrum leds these are really popular at the moment and they're often called rgb and the rgb refers to the red green and blue now the more expensive higher end leds will have this red green and blue mixed in to the same chip so you'll get a really super saturated color and the really advanced lights you can actually control that color as well so a good example is our current lighting at the moment on the aquascaper 1200 the chihiros vivid rgb 2s fully controllable with your smartphone in terms of setting how when the lights go on when they go off when they ramp up and down and the actual color you can control the amount of red green and blue to create any light spectrum you want almost quite a complex topic might be worth listening to this episode a couple of times if it is um it is quite a lot to take in but the good news is there's a lot of great brands out there which are more than capable of growing a huge variety of aquarium plants and you've had a few different lights on your 1200 yeah and they all bring a different perspective to the aquascape they do they really give a different vibe so a great example is the kessels They're, these are point source leds so what that means is the light's actually emitted from a very small surface area it's actually only about a centimeter square but you have a very sort of dense matrix of leds so this gives almost like a sunlight effect because the sun is the ultimate point source light in terms of lighting something it you know is a very kind of point source and it will cut it and it casts shadows of course and you get a similar effect with the kessels so any movement of the water refracts the light and you get you get these beautiful shadows cast on the ceiling you remember that yeah. you call that the shimmer effect and you get a similar kind of effect under the water 
you'll get shadowing, more kind of intense shadowing underneath the leaves, even shadows cast by the fish swimming near the substrate. This can look really effective and, and actually kind of almost replicates the effect of the sun. And I like that style and that approach more in the winter. I think it's really warming in the, in the house. It's uh, a nice vibe. Yeah, that's interesting. And that's where colour temperature can come in as well in different times of the year and different times of the day even. And some really advanced LED units, you can control that temperature throughout the day. So in the morning, you'll have a warm hue to you know mimic the sun, the sunrise. And then all the way through to noon, where it will be you know like a six, like a five thousand or six thousand Kelvin. And then all the way through the evening, and it, you know, and then again it goes to a warmer spectrum. But that's all down to taste, really. It's not necessary for the plants. The plant, the plants aren't really that fussy in terms of the color temperature and the spectrum, like we said earlier. They're more important to have that the right amount of light. Um, going back to the different brands that we've tried out. We had great results with the Kessels, as you said, and a really nice shimmer effect. It's not to everyone's taste. It can be quite, especially if you've got lots of surface movement, it can be quite intense, you know, almost like a flickering. Then we used the Twinstar 1200, which is a flat source LED. So rather than the point source of one tiny little thing, you have an array of LEDs that span the whole aquarium almost and you get this very uniform flat source lighting and the twin star by their nature they have a lot more kind of red in their spectrum as well so we would get a lot more kind of uh, red uh, color rendition in the fish and the plants as well whereas with the the Kessels they were more more of a natural rendition you know like you would actually see from the sunlight I would suggest and then finally now we're on the Chihiros RGB Vivid 2s which are the most controllable and most powerful lighting that we've had so far and we're, and we're as you can see Emma we're getting great results with those. So lots of detail covered there George so let's go back to basics a little bit how long should people keep their lights on for? Quite a simple answer eight hours so I you can you can go down to as little as three or four hours and you can go all the way up to sort of 16 18 hours I like to use eight hours almost religiously for all my aquascapes I like to keep it constant we call the length of time the lights are on a photo period it's a good idea to start off with a shorter photo period say six hours and then over the sort of two to four weeks you can build up to eight hours it just gives the plants a little bit more time to get used to the light and reduces the risk of algae but yes eight hours is my recommendation for almost any aquascape but people will have more or less and still get good results the only issue with having much more than eight hours is the much greater risk of algae. And is it eight continuous hours or do I do four and then another four later on? I like to do a consistent photo period of eight hours. What you're referring to is the siesta method, which can arguably help against algae. But the theory is that during this siesta, the CO2 levels can build up. And then when the lights go on again, the plants have more CO2 and they grow better. And then that actually is the defeat against the algae it's not really the light in my experience and i have tried this siesta a few times i i can say from my experience that a consistent photo period works best for me and my plants and what if i go on holiday from away from the tanks for say a week do i reduce that down or does it stay constant at eight hours yeah that's a good point and i think it's worth talking about plug-in timers as well quickly uh, i always use plug-in timers to regulate the photo period so when i'm away from home i just don't have to think about turning the lights on or off you can get fancy ones now with felix smart you can program it with automatically for you and You've got Alexa Home and all other kind of home smart devices you can link up to your aquarium lights these days, so it's, it's pretty clever. 
But yes, when you go away, if you leave your tank for any length of time, it is a good idea to dial back that lighting. Lighting is the driving force behind all the plant growth. And when you're away and you can't keep an eye on things, it's a really good idea to dial back that growth because you're not there to monitor things. If things get out of shape and you start getting algae, but you're still giving it eight hours of light a day, it could it could cause problems. So actually when we go away on vacation, etc., I often dial it back to four hours. And top tip for the more experienced of you out there, you can, if your aquascape is mature and your plants are healthy, then you can actually turn the lights off, turn the lights and CO2 off for that entire time, up to say 10 days, maybe even two weeks, the plants will actually be okay. They're obviously not going to thrive or grow, but when you come back home again, you're definitely not going to have any algae because there's not been enough light to trigger the algae. The plants have gone into kind of a bit of a hibernation mode. And then when you do eventually turn the lights back on, inject the CO2 and add the fertilizers again, those plants are going to spring back to life quite quickly if you've got a healthy and mature system. So that's a top tip that I've only just kind of been using the last couple of years or so. And I have to give some credit to Dave from Aquarium Gardens for that because he, he's had great results with that and he, and he imparted his knowledge. And I guess you would make sure your livestock's okay in that time, keep, keep them being fed. Yes. So, of course, we're looking after living creatures and we have a responsibility to ensure that they're well fed, not overfed and ideally have someone you know keep an eye on them keep an eye on their make sure the filter's working make sure the aquarium's at the right temperature and the good news is with you know more advanced aquariums and especially things like felix smart you can actually keep an eye on these in real time now perfect okay so you talked about algae and i know again this is a question that you get asked quite a lot so is there a correlation does too much light cause too much algae absolutely that You've just summed it up in a few words right there. Uh, the more light you have, the more risk of algae you get. If you think about plants and algae always in competition with each other, and we've talked about this concept a couple of times now, but it's worth reiterating, the healthier the plants are, the less algae we get. If the plants start to struggle for whatever reason, let's say you've given them too much light and then not enough CO2 and nutrients, that plant's going to really struggle. But guess what can use that light? The algae. So it's really important to keep the plants well fed, have enough plants, keep them really, really healthy, then algae won't be a problem. The more intense light and the more light period you have, the more risk of algae you get, especially if you don't have enough plants or enough plant growth to help combat that algae. Often a lot of folk, their first step should be to look at their lighting regime. You know, is it on for too long? Is it too powerful? And then after that, I would look at maintenance practices. Am I doing enough water changes? But the overall focal point should absolutely be focusing on really healthy plant growth and good aquarium maintenance. Another thing to bear in mind is excess ambient light from hitting your aquarium. So a good example, again, is the Axcaper 1200, where it's situated in the gallery at certain times of the day, especially in the summer. We've got those skylights and, and, the, and the back bifold windows the light can beam in and actually it hits the side of, side of the aquarium doesn't it but because we've got really good co2 injection and loads and loads of plants to use that light then we don't suffer from algae too much and what do i do george if for whatever reason accidentally or my time has failed i come home and i realize the lights have been on for for 10 12 hours how can i recover that yeah or even worse left it on for seven days in a row you are going to experience a huge algae bloom more than likely and 
all is not lost because the plants actually underneath all the algae will probably be relatively healthy if they've had access to enough nutrients. That's the thing. If you're in, if they're planted in a good soil substrate, for instance, or if you've got a, an automatic liquid fertilizer doser, then the the plants might still be quite healthy. But the first thing to do is just give the tank a good clean, wipe off the glass, uh, manually remove as much of the algae as possible. Depending on the type of algae, you might need to use a toothbrush. You can just use your hands potentially. Any really, really algae-infected leaves you could remove. That's going to stimulate new new leaf growth if you've got a healthy system. But it's just important to manually remove as much of the algae as possible. Give your filter a clean. And then the last thing you always do as part of the maintenance process, any cleaning process, is do a huge water change. Because by the process of you cleaning the algae off, those spores, those algae spores, are going to float around the whole tank and potentially infest other plants and other areas of the aquarium. So we need to dilute that algae, that loose algae, with a huge water change and also clean the filter as well. And should I do a few water changes for the, the next few days? Yeah, good idea. Do probably a daily, if you can, if you have the time, do a daily 50% water change. Keep the plants well fed with good liquid fertilisers. Obviously fix your timer to eight hours a day, ideally. And then just keep an eye on things. Uh, sometimes it can be a good idea to add floating plants. These are great because they have... They grow really quickly. So, you know, we talked about plants and algae in competition with each other. The faster the plants are growing, the less algae we get. Floating plants are great because they have access to more light because they're nearer the light. They have loads of access to CO2 that's in the air, so they don't even need CO2 injection. And they have dangling roots, which produce oxygen, which is great for the fish. They provide shelter for the fish as well. And finally, they also block out some of the light from the lower plants. So this can help reduce algae as well. So floating plants are a great kind of preventative tool, but also they can be used as a corrective tool. And also in the same category as that, we've got, you know, fast growing weed stem plants, you know, like Hygrophila cymensis 53b, uh, Heteranthera zostafolia, Ageria densa, Hygrophila polysperma. All these kind of really fast growing uh, stem plants are a great way to help uh, prevent and also treat algae. Fun story for you, Emma. In the Aquascope of 1200, I don't know if you remember, we had quite a big algae bloom probably about six months ago. I actually planted, I think, 20 pots of fast-growing stem plants in there. Yeah, I remember you having algae rage. Yes, and <laughs> and literally in a week or so, those stem plants have pretty much filled the entire aquarium uh, and the algae had disappeared. Always better to use plant growth as your battle against algae and always try to avoid any chemicals if possible yeah great great top tips thanks george so looking ahead then what's the future of aquarium lighting yes an interesting industry led was a real game changer sort of 20 years ago when it's started in into the hobby and that's just developing i don't see any other main forms of lighting there was talk of plasma lighting uh, but that kind of fell by the wayside interestingly uh, the aquarium lighting industry is largely driven by the car industry so leds were actually mainly introduced as a kind of in a commercial venture in in huge quantities in the car industry and the technology was kind of you know driven by that excuse the pun and then aquarium lighting has kind of you know followed on from that so we can kind of look at the car industry potentially for kind of big advances in technology but in terms of aquarium lighting it's more to do with controllability now 
So you, you'll often have a smartphone app which is linked to your aquarium light so you can control the photo period, you can control the spectrums, dim up, dim down. Some have really kind of gimmicky features such as storms and things like that. I would never put them on. That's just scare scare your fish. Don't, don't use a storm function. It's not it's fair. Definite advances in controllability. More efficiency as well. So getting more, more light per watt. So you'll actually get more PAR for, for the watts. And just advances in the overall design and, and how it fits in with your potential interior space. So just more attractive lights to look at. So I think that's the main areas for development. Okay. And to sum up then, George, for our beginner hobbyists, what's the main takeaway on lights? What, what are the main things people need to know? Try not to get confused by it. If you do start off with a, a beginner kind of aquarium kit, you can probably just get away with the light that comes with it to grow easy plants. Then when you get the confidence in your aquascaping and your ability to grow these easy plants without algae growth, then you can look at maybe customising your own aquarium with an additional LED lamp. So there's there's loads of choice out there. Choose the lights according to your taste. How do they make the aquascape look? Does the actual unit itself look attractive if you've got an open top tank, if it's not hidden underneath a hood? Is it producing enough light to grow the plants that I want to grow? Think about the aquascape you want to create first and then choose your light around that. Or do you have the light first and then you need to choose the aquascape according to the light you have? The lighting is, like I said, is the main driving force behind all the growth. So choose, choosing the light can be a minefield, but try to keep it simple if you can. Eight hours photo period with a plug-in timer is a good starting point. Try not to add too much intense light. If you do want to go high lighting, then just make sure you plant really heavily from the start. A lot of fast growers as well. This is really going to help with the algae. But it is a buyer's market. Loads of great units out there and you're quite kind of spoilt for choice and the good news is most of them will be able to grow a good range of plants perfect thank you so let's look ahead to the week what's in the work basket this week george i want to i want to actually produce the aquascaper 1200 four year sum up video before we get rid of that tank and then we're going to replace that with an oase highline 400 for discus which is super exciting love it i'm actually going to produce four videos for Tropica this week because we're going on vacation the week after and that is it really I'm going to keep it quite a um, straightforward week uh, hopefully producing five videos this week yeah you'll be maxed that sounds great <laughs> okay there we go guys a episode dedicated to lighting we could probably make this a two or three episode uh, series but hopefully it broke it down and made it a little bit more accessible and digestible for you especially if you're a beginner Try not to get too confused by, by lighting and have fun with it. And if you do have any related questions, please use the Facebook page to drop us a line and let us know what other questions you've got on this topic. Very much appreciated. Also, we'd like to encourage you to leave us some feedback, especially on the Apple podcast player. So you have the facility to give us a star review. And then we've already had our first written review on there as well. So if we could get some written reviews, let us know what your key takeaways have been or particular points that you've enjoyed learning about. And you can even drop us some feedback in terms of what you want to hear in future episodes in those reviews as well. I think that would be really helpful. We are nearly at a 1,000 likes now on our Facebook page, so the George Farmer Podcast Facebook page. We do have an exciting giveaway planned for a 1,000 likes, so make sure you follow us there. Give us a like if you can and share that. That would be amazing. And we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. You take care. Keep on scaping. Cheerio.